Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show with your chance to be heard. Give your opinion. Bash on the liberals. Even make fun of the wacky left. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. And welcome to the program, nine minutes after 9 a.m. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. Gave away a couple of uh, haircuts uh, here a second ago. I appreciate you calling in if you want to be a part of that. I will be giving away more haircuts tomorrow and the next day. And we also have some concerts. We have all kinds of stuff to give away. But right now, it's time for the Andy Griffin Show. And I join, I'm joined. It's uh, We're going to talk schools today. Uh, Communications Director for Washington County School District, Steve Dunham, is here. Steve, how are you? Good morning, Andy. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on the show. Steve's got a little bit of radio background. So uh, if he sounds like a radio guy, <laughs> he kind of is, sort of. There you go. So. I, I, I do from the old, uh, the old days up in Salt Lake in college. And then Craig Segmiller is with me, member of the Washington County School Board. Craig, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Thank you. And I don't have a radio background, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still sound pretty good, though. Still sound pretty good. Um, it, uh, it's Wednesday. It's summertime. The kids are all over the place right now. And so we're like, well, why are you having a, a show about schools? Well, there's a lot of issues we want to talk about. And Steve and, and Craig, I thought we'd start off talking about the fact that Washington County School District was one of the only school districts in the entire nation that was open all year long, stayed open. There were no closures. That's that's an incredible feat considering what we've been through. I'm uh, actually really proud of that. We mm-hmm. are one of the few. We, we were the first in the state of Utah, one of the few in the nation. Um, as we were discussing and having those conversations leading up to opening schools, mm-hmm. it was interesting how many people up north were calling, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? Yeah. It turns out that uh, little old Washington County sort of led the way, and the, and people up north were following checking to see what are you going to do and then they sort of came along and uh, i'm really proud of the fact that those kids were in school every day of the year you know some of them you say some of them followed some of them did not though i mean there was there was a lot of weird stuff going on up north going one day a week going three days a week going half a day and and stuff like that my son is a school psychologist in the alpine school district and he said it, it almost seemed like it changed every other week oh well this week we're going to try this or this week we're going to going to do that did you receive pushback craig and, and steve on this desire to do what you guys did were, were there a lot of people going you're crazy I think no matter what we chose, there would have been pushback. Mm -hmm. I think what's important to note is that our board looked at every option. They looked at hybrid versions, and what it came down to, and they realized this early on, the best option was to keep children in school on as normal a schedule as we could possibly create. And that's what they chose to do, and that's what they chose to move forward with. And it worked. we worked closely with our local agencies, the health department, with the cities to make sure that we are all on the same page as we went through this, that we had their support. Craig, did you get emails, texts, uh, complaints, and people saying, ah, we shouldn't be open? Uh, very few. Okay. I think, I think it was pretty universally accepted that kids do better when they're in school. Um, you're right uh, that, that some didn't do that. I have relatives. I have grandkids in other states that didn't go back to school till April. Um, it's just a known fact that kids do better in school. They, they thrive there, and uh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, so very little pushback, like you're, you're being too aggressive. Yeah. Uh, very little. 
Good. That's, that's really good. Now, it did create some interesting uh, situations. Number one was move-ins. We had, because we were open, and a lot of, especially to the west of us, a lot of those schools were not open, <laughs> you had kids and families wanting to bring their kids here so their kids could be in school and, in particular, participate in extracurricular activities. How did the district handle that, Craig? Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, people did want to participate, and, and so they had to be they had to be vetted kind of the same way that other, that other students have to. It has mm-hmm. to be a legitimate move. It has to be a full family move. Uh, somebody actually, they, they have to be living here. They didn't just pass through for a couple of months so that they, their kid could play football uh, or, or whatever the sport was. It, yeah. They were fully vetted. You know, part of the High School Activities Association, they got to meet those requirements. And, uh, and all of that was done so that those, could, those kids could participate. But yeah, on the other hand, I don't blame their families. Uh, getting out of bad situations yeah. where, where kids were locked at home and, uh, and getting into school and getting a chance to participate. You know, not only did we hold school every day, but all the activities, yeah. every sport, every activity took place. To the best of our ability, we did it safely. We did it within the guidelines, but football games took place. Uh, mm-hmm. Basketball games took place. Baseball games took place. Um, music took place. Um, it, it happened. And... Uh, I, I think it's critical, and I'm just so pleased that we were able to do that. I talked to a guy who lives in Oregon who, uh, I mean, this was last week, like like a week ago, and uh, I said, hey, what, what are you up to? He's a, a guy in the radio business. He says, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready for ball game. I said, oh, is baseball still going there? He said, no, basketball. We, we didn't play basketball in the winter, so we're playing basketball now, and it's the basketball playoffs in June. I was like... <laughs> Okay, I guess you got to do what you got to do in the state of Oregon. I, I don't know. The other thing that, you know, and I was, uh, I wouldn't say critical of this, but the other thing that I, I was kind of frustrated with was the fact that the students had to wear masks every day. And, and Steve and I have talked many times. Kids are resilient. Kids do what they got to do, and, and they got it done. But I really felt like that inhibited a lot of kids in, in being themselves. Uh, and, and you guys, of course, you had the mandate from the state. You, you almost, I don't know, maybe, Craig, you can address it. Your hands were tied, I guess, a little bit. But, man, it, you know, I, I have a kid who's in the local high school, and I said, what's school like now? She says, well, we go to school, uh, we go to our classes, we don't say much to anybody, and then we come home and take our masks off. And I was like, man, that, that seems tough. Let's be honest. Wearing a mask is not ideal. Uh, some that may not know, I'm on the school board, but I also teach math out to at to Dixie State University. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing my students, the top half of their faces, you know. Yeah. yeah. And we joked that, you know, if I see you in Walmart, you've got to cover the bottom half of your face so that I might recognize <laughs> you because right. I haven't seen the, the, the bottom half at sure. all. Um, it's not ideal. Uh, mandate from, the, from above, trying to be law-abiding citizens, listening to the health department people, trying to balance personal freedoms and responsibilities, um, People on the one side saying, you know, nobody should be in a mask. People on the other side saying we're all going to die. Yeah. And, uh, and trying to balance all those and keep everybody happy and keep everybody safe. Did we do a perfect job? Probably not. Can I pat us on the back? I, did we sure. do a spectacularly good job? Yeah. I think we did because kids were in school. Um, all those activities took place. Uh, yeah. Do I hope we never, ever have to wear a mask again? <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least mandated. <laughs> yeah. I, I am fine that people... Those who want to wear them absolutely have the right to wear them. Sure, but I don't want to. I don't want to mandate it if we can ever avoid it. Do uh, moving forward now with masks and and everything, is there more fallout to come, or are we done with that now for the schools? Unless there's some kind of weird surge. 
I think we're done with that. The governor's been very clear that there will be no future mandates coming up. And the legislature has passed laws that, uh, that also put in place stop gaps so that that can't happen without some further in-depth review. So I, I think we're in a good spot moving forward. Yeah, I would, I would be shocked. I agree. And I would be shocked if any of that came up. There would be a lot of pushback. There'd be a lot of pushback on the board. There would be a lot of pushback in the community. Um, like Steve said, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think all signs say that we're done with that. Let's give a little credit to Dr. David Blodgett. I know you guys honored him recently. Uh, he has been, I really feel like this is the truth, he's been a voice of, almost a voice of reason in the wilderness, you know, a voice out of the wilderness telling us, hey, everybody, settle down. It's going to be okay. Uh, you know, he was on the show last week. I really respect that guy. First of all, uh, he's brilliant. I don't know if you guys knew this, but he was chief resident at Johns Hopkins, which is the premier hospital in the United States. He chose to step down from that and come back here to his home area. He's from Cedar City and be the health director here when he could have just about written his ticket for any doctor job in the in the country. You know, he he really was the lone voice for our district, for the districts in the southwest part of the state. He stood up for us. He worked with us when we had issues moving forward with masks, with cases in our schools. He was so phenomenal. And so we did. We invited him and his wife down a week and a half ago, and we had all of our principals there to to just applaud him, to recognize the work he has done for the students in our schools, the 35,000 children here in Washington County that attend our schools. That is huge to be able to go this entire year without having to close a school. And he even commented that there was one time we were real close. We, we had hit that threshold on a Friday, but he knew, he looked at the numbers and when the cases came in, and he knew that by Monday we'd be down below that threshold again. Nice. So he didn't require us to close. But that's how close it was, and he was just so good to work with us. Yeah, I love Dr. Blodgett, what he's done, Craig. Right. Uh, great appreciation for him. Even in the health community, he was sort of a voice of reason. Uh, as you know, as you work your way north, all of the health department people were not as accommodating, uh, right. that were not as pro-school and pro-kid. Um, and Dr. Blodgett did a great job of helping us keep those kids in school. He, he also thought kids need to be in school. I, by the way, I, I, this uh, stat uh, story came across the uh, newsroom this morning, and I told uh, I, actually Dave Heaton over at the health department, I said, we need to uh, issue a health alert. Uh, apparently, in 2019, 76 people were in, injured their eye while trying to get a drink out of a drinking fountain. So I, I think we need to issue a health alert. Maybe we should oh, all start wearing like guards around our eyes or something. I don't know, guys. That's, a, that's an epidemic almost, isn't it? Andy, when the face shields come back, it's your fault now. <laughs> okay. I, I apologize. Uh, again, we're with Craig Segmiller from the uh, Washington County School Board, along with Steve Dunham, who is the Communications Director for Washington County School District. How long have you been doing that, Steve, by the way? Uh, here in the district, I've been doing it five years. I was eight years previously up in Jordan School District in the Salt Lake Valley. Oh, you, were you the Communications Director there as well? I was the Communications Manager, so I was okay. like the number two person there. Oh, very good. So I lived through the split when Jordan was divided, and they made Canyon School District and Jordan School District, and... Boy, that was that was unique. Uh, you haven't had to do anything as hard as that in, in Washington. That's probably the hardest thing you've ever done po- professionally. I, I, I've had some unique challenges here as well, Mr. <laughs> Siegmiller. 
Well, I didn't say you didn't, but I just thought not that equal that, maybe. I yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Steve gets to be a, a participate in some of the cool stuff that has to do with schools. I know uh, when my daughter was a Sterling Scholar, you were there, and you were a part of the, the you know, group that presented those awards. That was really cool. I, I didn't even know you were going to be there, and boom, there's Steve up on the stage. You know, that's correct. I am, I'm also the director of the foundation. That was an additional responsibility the district gave me after I, I've been down here a year. And so I help raise the funds that that uh, that recognize our Sterling Scholars. And so I work with the local businesses that come in and, and help support those students as they're ready to move on to their, their future. My, my daughter was a big-time musician, and I thought she was going to get, get music Sterling Scholar. She ended up getting English Sterling Scholar. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. What about the saxophone? But anyway, it was, it was a cool award. And, and again... Uh, I'm a big believer in public schools. Uh, there are a lot of people. I mean, you, you got your charter schools, you got your private schools. Uh, uh, at least in St. George, I think the public school system is incredible. And uh, you know, I I, I sent all my sk- my kids to school, public schools here in in St. George. I have one left. She has a year left. Uh, hopefully, we can have a real graduation for her instead of like last year. Uh, but you guys, uh, you guys did a good job. I know this you- year. Yeah, we had graduations yeah. that worked out very well, and so. We'll, yeah. we're, we'll plan on having that next year. Let's do it. Let's it, do it. It has been very positive. The, the response has been really positive. You know, where we had them and had them out there on the football field, yeah. or for some people, we had them on the soccer field, depends on who you talk to. <laughs> That's um, right. But people liked being at home. Uh, they liked being uh, – you know, that's kind of how they expressed it. We got, to, we got to be with our peers at home. Yeah. Uh, it's been really positive, actually. And another comment that I heard a lot of is the parents loved having time afterwards. When, when we've done it previously in the Burns Arena, we've had to rush them in, rush them out, because we've had another school well, lined up. starts in 45 minutes. That, yeah. That's it, exactly. And so by having it at their homes, they were able to come down on the field, spend some time with their graduates, take pictures, take pictures with their friends. They just had the time they wanted. And so it was really, really nice in that regard. Was it hot, by the way, on graduation day for our <laughs> local schools? It was 9 a.m., and I'm a Dixie kid, oh. so I no, didn't think it was hot. warm at all. Some have said maybe we should go at 8 or 8.30 and, and make it a little bit cooler. Others have suggested we go in the evening, but if you know anything about evenings in St. George, that's not going to be cooler. Hot-er, hot-er, <laughs> so I yeah. thought 9 was great, but there's talk about going a little bit earlier, so it'll be a little bit cooler. The, uh, the tradition nowadays is to have those uh, candy wreaths. Oh, yeah. You put chocolate in them. If it's 90-something, you don't want to be wearing a chocolate candy wreath. That's a bad idea. I didn't that, see anybody yeah. dripping. I got to shake all the hands of all okay. the graduates, and I didn't see anybody dripping chocolate, but the, the, there were some wearing it. Very good. Now, you're a math teacher, Craig? I am a math teacher out at Dixie professor State. professor over there at Dixie State. Did, right. did, now, do you have a doctorate or... No, I'm no? at the master's degree master's level. Master's degree level, okay. No. Uh, first of all, uh, kudos to you for... Uh, I. I Good at a lot of things. I've been I'm pretty good at writing. I'm you know I can do okay talking and stuff. I've never been good at math. I I mean you get <laughs> basic math, accounting type math. Yeah, I can do that. But you start putting letters in there with the numbers, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh, much much kudos to you. How 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 are kids coming in when they get to college and are taking math from you? Are they ready? Or is it? Do you feel like that they're in pretty good shape? You know. Uh, Math students at the university are, are all over the place. I mean, some of them are coming having struggled all their life, mm-hmm. and there are math classes there for them. Right. And then there are some that have just sailed through math who love math, and then, you know, they can go to calculus and all of the higher math that's available for them too. Um, so I would say we have – it's a mix. Some, some of those freshmen coming in need sort of lower level, even sometimes remedial math. Mm-hmm. But, but the college – but the, those classes are available. 
uh, right on through. If you want to be a math major, all those classes are available as well. I uh, I took uh, my junior year was the last algebra class I had taken. I was trig or something like that. Uh, and then my senior year, I had the option to take business math instead of another, you know, one of those letter classes that, and, and so I took business math my senior year of high school, and then I went uh, worked for a year, and then I went on a mission, and then I took a year off after my mission, and then I finally went to college, and uh, they put me in algebra too, after having what four or five years without having done any real math, and I struggled mightily. If not for a, a, a TA, a student a teacher assistant, I wouldn't I wouldn't have even made it through that class. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, I, how'd you do with math there, Steve? You're in communication. I'm I'm kind of in your boat. I, I, uh, I work towards a Bachelor of Arts instead of a Bachelor of Science, specifically mm-hmm. so I could avoid my, those math courses. Yeah. See, this just doesn't, you're speaking in a, a different language to me. I mean, everybody, I try, I try to tell my students, look, every, you'll make more money if you know a little bit of math. That's true. That so, is accurate, though. I, I would have to support that. So, you know, occasionally, you know, you'll hear the, the when am I ever going to need this or when am I ever going to oh, use yeah, this yeah, again? Yeah. I said, well, think of it like this. This is a thinking class. Um, Math will merely be the tool we use to practice thinking. Um, so now tell me, when will I ne- ever have to think ever again? Oh, you know, that, then they can't use that one on me. So. I, have, I have a good friend who is a math teacher, and uh, he said students say that all the time to him. When am I ever going to use this? And he always says, well, you're going to use it right now. So <laughs> you, you better get used to it. Right, right now is when you really need it. Uh, That's we, great. We want to talk a little bit about critical race theory, and it's kind of it tried, it tried to sweep the nation, and the nation started pushing back on that. We'll talk about that a little bit in the curriculum that is, is taught our young people uh, the education that teachers uh, here in Washington County School District are required to have before they get rolling into things. Uh, we do have a weather break coming up real quick. Uh, actually, it's about three or four minutes away. I wanted to ask you, are, are you allowed as an employee of Dixie to talk about the whole Dixie name issue, or is that something we have to stay away from? Um, I have no trouble. To, I, I'm perfectly free to give my personal feelings okay. on that topic. Yeah, let's hear uh, them. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed in the effort. Yeah. My family came to St. George in, in the 1860s. Wow. Um, if I took you across the street to the cemetery, I mean, my, my father's there, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents, mm-hmm. my great-great-great-grandmother, wow. all buried in St. George. I mean, these people and many people like them built Dixie. And uh, I'm, I'm not happy with the effort, and I think they'll do much harm. Um, I don't think that we'll be benefiting the students. I don't think we'll create a better institution. I'm disappointed. Yeah, me too. And, and I know you're not allowed to talk a ton about it because you're an employee there, but I appreciate your, your candor and your honesty <laughs> here. And uh, we at, at uh, KDXU, well, me in particular, I've been very much against them changing and dropping the name of Dixie. I think it's a, it's a proud name that has a positive heritage to it. And uh, you know, I've had I've had President Williams, I've had uh, Dr. Booth, I've had a lot of people on telling me, "Hey, this is why we're doing it," and they just have failed to convince me that it's a good idea. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll let you off the hook there, Craig. I appreciate you giving me your. I, I could get Steve's opinion on this, but I don't know if you're allowed to say anything either. Are you, Steve? You know, I don't have a dog in the fight, so oh, okay. so to me, it, it, I don't have those 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 historical roots like Craig has. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, I don't have that emotional connection to it. So to me, it's, uh, it, it can come, it can go. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm Switzerland. <laughs> the names they have suggested as an alternative though. I mean, I think you, you really hate us this much that you'll stick us with 
Southwestern Utah State University <laughs> just so that you can get Dixie out of the name or or Utah Polytechnic. Where is that located? Well, I don't know. It could be it's, in Ogden. It's it in Poly. In, it's in it, that Poly place. It might be in Tremont. <laughs> Who knows where Utah Polytechnic is? I mean. Well, one of them they had suggested was Utah University Institute of Technology and Arts. And it's supposedly that kind of almost spells Utah. Oh. And that's their reasoning behind that, that one. That's trying pretty hard. That's to, trying pretty to hard. get rid of Dixie. I mean, you got to try pretty hard. To, they got to throw an H on the end. I don't know. You can't do humanities because a polytechnic I get, doesn't really do humanities. But find some H on the end, right? Then it would be Utah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. We're talking with Craig Segmiller, Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District. We're going to talk curriculum. Who decides where it comes from, et cetera, et cetera. And we come back right now. Though, let's take a weather break. We're interactive at the Andy Griffin Show. Call in now at 673-5890. Text in at 435-467-5842. Email at agriffin at cherrycreekmedia.com. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in to the program today. We've got Craig Sigmiller and Steve Dunham with me. Craig, we got to clear it up once and for all. Your name has two E's in it. it. If we did it phonetically, if we did it how it looked, it's Siegmiller, but uh, it's Segmiller, right? It is Segmiller. Okay. And a uh, little background, it's German. Oh, okay. And the Germans, uh, I happened to go on a mission to Germany, and I happened to learn that that's exactly how the Germans pronounce it. So you didn't have to correct anybody when you were on your mission. <laughs> the difference was the I was that little U with two dots above it, uh-huh. but they pronounce it. With, just like we do, Sig. So it would have been Siegmuller if, we, if we'd have done it the, the phonetically. So, so the Germans pronounce it Siegmuller. Siegmuller. But it's that same vowel sound, E, that say, that's how the Germans pronounce it. So. Segmuller. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I have known Segmullers for, I was telling you before we went on the air, the very first person I met in St. George was your brother, Tom. Uh, he, he and Milt Hat uh, met them at a booster luncheon. Uh, when I took over the sports editor job at uh, at the Spectrum, this right. is back in like the early '90s, so it was a long time ago. Right. So, small world. Yeah. Uh, well, not really, because if you say I know a Segmiller, that's not really saying a whole lot in this town, <laughs> because there's a lot of them. I, I got surprised years ago when I was in Germany in 1981. A man came from Salt Lake, and he said, "What's your name?" And I said, "Segmiller." And he said, "Where are you from?" And I said, "St. George." And he says, "Oh, I could have guessed that." Yeah. I, that surprised really the. My, as a 19-year-old kid, that my name was associated with St. George more than I knew it was, apparently. So. Yeah, well, I get the, uh, you're a Griffin? Oh, you must be from Escalani. Hmm? No, I'm not related to, I mean, we're related distantly, but we're actually not the Griffins, the Escalani Griffins. <laughs> when I stayed there, I stayed at Griffin Inn and uh, went shopping at Griffin Hardware Store in Escalani. And unfortunately, I didn't get any of the proceeds from either of those places. <laughs> in fact, they didn't even give me a discount. My name was Griffin. No family discount. No family discount yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, normally, we, uh, not normally, we have had uh, Terry Hutchinson on quite often in this in this slot. Uh, we felt like, and I think Terry was in agreement. we felt like we needed to mix it up a little bit. This was never intended to be 
Washington County Schools with Terry Hutchinson. This was intended to be Washington County Schools with the school board and with Steve Dunham. And so uh, I really appreciate you agreeing to come on. I, I hope I didn't cause too much tumult in the in the board and saying, hey, let's mix it up a little bit. Not at all. Yeah. As we've talked with the board, it was very clear that we wanted to give each board member an opportunity to come on the air. Mm-hmm. And it gives your listeners an opportunity to hear from their representatives from their area of Washington County. So I think this is a good thing. If you would like to call into the show, 673-5890 is the number. I'm going to reach back here and get my phone because a lot of people are a little shy and they will text into the program instead of call into the program. In fact, i got a couple of texts here. Okay, we'll, we'll get to those in just a second. I wanted to talk a little bit about curriculum uh, and, and educating our teachers. Uh, we, I think in St. George a little bit we kind of feel like uh, we have our little bubble here and we're a little different than the rest of the world. Uh, but... A lot of young people are coming educated with a little bit different ideas about things. How, how tight is the curriculum, Craig, in our school district? If I'm, say, going to teach history class, uh, am I told what book I can teach out of? Am I told what uh, stuff I can teach out of that book? Uh, how does that all work? Uh, first of all, we sort of do live in our own little bubble. Yeah. Let, and, and let's be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But. Does stuff creep in? Does stuff get in through the cracks? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is approved curriculum. I mean, a lot of it comes from state, Utah State approved curriculum. Uh, and, and then also on the local level, um, mostly great stuff. Mostly stuff that you'd want taught to your kids. Occasionally, something will creep in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few parents last night at the school board that, that came and brought some concerns, and I told them, I said, look, I appreciate your eyes and ears because we can't know or hear everything. 35,000 students, like mm-hmm. Steve said. Yeah. Um, if somebody sees or hears something that they think is inappropriate in the curriculum, we may not know it. Something, something may have just crept in. It may have been an accidental slip of the tongue. Or it may be part of the curriculum that we're not that thrilled about. Right. Um, with 50 schools and 35,000 students, um, we want to make sure. Uh, so so do, we, do we have a handle on it? Yes. Is it perfect? No. I went to, uh, Steve can relate to this a little bit, I went to communications, graduated from college in journalism, and they they always talked about being objective in your stories. When you write a story, you've got to be objective. And, you know, I I came to find out as I started in my career that objective is almost impossible because we are who we are. Everything we do, every behavior we have has a little bit of non uh, non objectiveness to it. You know, we we have our we all have our biases. Our biases. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and, and so uh, the word I learned was to be fair. Instead of trying to be objective and, and be neutral on everything in the world, you, you need just need to be fair to each side. Now, as as these young people graduate college and, and want to be a teacher in our uh, in our school district in our state um, they come with their own biases obviously uh, they th- I, I would hope we would expect them to be fair but there is going to be I mean if you you know it's just a lot of the schools are in the block system now so usually an hour and 40 minutes or whatever with 30 kids at a time there's going to be some opinion creep in from that teacher on you know on all kinds of things even things that have nothing to do with what they're actually teaching about is there a problem in that we're getting a little too much opinion in do you think or is that okay uh, i've had i've had my own children come home and say hey, my teacher said this i'm like your teacher said what you know <laughs> and and i've had concerns about that is that something that happens a lot or is this a rare thing i don't think it's something that happens a lot but it is something that happens like craig said we we cannot be aware of every single thing 
that takes place. And so, um, you know, we do need to be attentive. We do need to hear those things because, as you mentioned, we all have our own biases. Um, I may have a stronger opinion about something on a specific subject than you do. And uh, just like similar to that, our teachers may have a strong opinion about certain things and let those emotions come out at times. And, uh, you know, if it's a one-time thing, if, there, if it's a consistent thing, we, it's something we need to address and, and rein in. There, there are certain topics that are, you know, more like, I mean, if you're teaching a health class and you have a teacher that is, say, uh, more in, in, in line with, hey, uh, we should, we should uh, you know, do a better job of birth control rather than abstinence or things like that. I, I, it would seem like to me a teacher that teaches those kinds of classes has to be really careful or their biases are going to come out. They, they have to be very careful because especially in a class like that, you have to follow the curriculum very closely. You cannot let your personal beliefs um, influence your teaching at all in those areas. Um, and we're very strict in those regards. Now, those are tightly controlled. Yes. And, okay. and they have to stay within bounds appropriately. Or there will be consequences uh, because there are, there are certain things that are mandated by law. It's taught this way and don't go past that. It's funny. I remember, I don't know what you guys would know what grade this is, but I got a, a letter home from one, one, of my, one of my boys when they were in elementary school that said, hey, on this day we're having the maturing classes or whatever they're called. Fifth grade. Yeah, is it fifth grade? Yeah. And it said, if you do not want your child to participate, sign this and, and things like that. And, and as a parent, I was like, I don't know because I don't know exactly what's going to be taught. And also, I don't know, are there other parents that are doing this? Is that, when you, when you give the, the option to opt out on things like that, does that happen a lot, you guys, or not too often? It doesn't happen a lot. Parents don't take a lot of options or, or opportunities to opt out like that. Mm-hmm. But with the maturation programs, we invite the parents to participate with their child. So for, for me, when my child was in the fifth grade, I went with him. So that oh, I could nice. sit there and listen to what was being taught. I could answer questions. I could address things, maybe afterwards on a, on a private level, and make sure that uh, the, the correct curriculum was taught and that my views were explained as well as those as a parent. Okay. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I appreciate that reminder. It's been a few years since I had a fifth grader. And, <laughs> and, and now that you mention it, I, I did sit there with my fifth graders. Um, it's just been a couple of years and that had slipped my mind. Uh, and there are not that many opt-outs. I think it's actually really good information when taught appropriately, and especially when taught appropriately with a parent there. And, we, and we're very close, and that's why we give parents the opportunity. And we would invite parents, when you have that opportunity to attend a specific lesson like that, please do. Please do. We want you there. We want you to be involved in the educational process of us helping to instruct your children what the state is asking and you can follow up with what your particular beliefs are, your views are in regards to that. Is that class necessary? Tough question, I know. That, no, that's a fair question, and, and that might be the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, is it necessary? Is it not necessary? Does it belong in the schools at all? It depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Done appropriately, I think it does an enormous amount of good. Uh, if it were done poorly or inappropriately, it would be better left out of the schools. Um, unfortunately, some of those things don't get taught in every home. Yeah. And, and so weighing the greater good, I'd say it does more good than harm, especially when it can be done appropriately with a parent there. I, I kind of felt like, uh, for in, in my family's case, these are things that I, I wanted to talk about with my sons. 
And my daughter's not as – I let my wife kind of handle the daughter side of thing because I don't want to talk about that stuff with girls anyway, right? <laughs> but, but with my sons, I was like, you know, you're going to talk about what? Well, well, why don't you ask me about that? But honest truth is, uh, first of all, like you said, Craig, there's a lot of families that don't – won't talk about that stuff. And then it's, it's kind of weird. Sometimes the kids are afraid to ask their parents things or – or talk about certain things because they don't want their parents thinking they're doing, you know, being terrible or, or whatever. So, And to go in line with that, I think it provides, an, some parents may not know how to bring up the subject. Hmm. And by offering this at that grade, we're providing an opportunity for parents to address it in the way that they see fit. Where, where we, we touch a very surface level of, of the health curriculum and then parents can address it however they see fit. We had a caller. Steve was on line one, and he has uh, hung up. So if uh, Steve calls back, we'll grab him right away. Again, we're talking schools. I know it's summertime. School isn't in. There are some things going on, though, right, Steve? Besides, uh, I mean, there's like some summer classes and things like that going on in the district. We have summer schools happening right now. It it just started this week, and and this is an opportunity for the students that may have had some issues from uh, last spring even when they ha- when we had to go remote or or throughout the year if they were put on quarantine and may have suffered in some way uh, academically missed that, a couple of weeks or whatever exactly yeah. and that can affect what your your learning process it throws you off your whole your whole pathway going down and, and we recognize that so we're providing this opportunity right now in addition it's our busy time for to get the schools ready for next year and so our custodians they're doing the deep cleans right now holy cow our custodians are hopping in the summer they are boogieing and then we also have uh some band and orchestra things yeah. going on camps and things yeah uh, that that we're we're bringing some of these kids in that honestly we're trying to grow some of those programs and uh, so i'm excited about those summer programs for those kids as well yeah i, I think that uh, you know i grew up a big time I, I've told the story before, but I, I remember playing football and uh, on homecoming we had to, our marching band. We were going to march at halftime. I was also on the football team, so I had to go in uh, at halftime. I went in and changed. I went under the bleachers, changed from my football uniform to my band uniform, and then after the <laughs> the, the little you know our little eight minute performance was over, I went back under the bleachers, put my football uniform back on, and I think the coach was mad at me because I didn't get to hear his halftime speech. But you're like Clark Kent, <laughs> Clark Kent, huh? <laughs> yeah, Superman or something like that. All right, let's get another uh, commercial break in, and we'll continue with Craig Segmiller, Steve Dunham from the Washington County Schools. Uh, an opportunity now. I do want to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local uh, loan uh, loan officer, and his specialty is. Uh, customer service, taking care of you. Give Joe a call today. Find out why he averages 4.96 out of 5 stars with over 530 reviews online. I mean, if you average 4.96 out of 5, that means that about 98% of those reviews are 5 stars. That's how happy people are with Joe Shoney, loan consultant. His phone number is 435-590-6300. We'll be back in two minutes. This is America for crying out loud. Traditional, conservative, capitalistic. Let's band together and melt the snowflakes on The Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. I don't know if there'd be any snowflakes left in this part of the uh, country. Uh, at least temperature-wise, they're all melted at this point. So. You know, I can hear the eagle crying in the background of your intro, Andy. I love that. 
Welcome back, Andy Griffin Show. I'm with Steve Dunham and Craig Segmiller from Washington County Schools. Craig's on the school board. Uh, you you were on, right? We did a little phone conversation here last fall. We did. I just ran for re-election last fall, and you and I talked then. It's good to have you on. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, that was a big job. I had a list and a bunch of phone numbers, and I didn't know that any of them were even accurate phone numbers, and some of them were not. And so I had to track down uh, all the uh, candidates for school board and the mayor and city council and all that stuff. But uh, I had a lot of good people like you, Craig, that agreed to come on the show and, and be good. a part of it. So that was cool. We just had a, a quick thought on critical race theory. Again, I, I, I didn't feel like we really needed to talk about it much on this show because in this county and actually in this state, critical race theory is not – we don't want anything to do with it. Uh, but uh, as Craig pointed out, uh, sometimes stuff like that slips through some cracks. Uh, anything can. And as I told those parents last night, and I'm telling all those parents that are listening now, uh, we can't be everywhere and eyes and ears that say, hey, this didn't feel right. We want to know about it. Call your local school board member. Let us know. And we'll address it. We will address it from the district. And, and that kind of, uh, I think, emphasizes a little bit about what we've been hinting at, but we need to talk about is is parental involvement in your kid's education. It's, it's easy to treat the school as a parent, to treat the school as a babysitter. Just send your kid, go away for six hours or seven hours, come back, and then I don't want to hear about your school. I don't want to hear about what you studied. I don't want to hear what your teacher said. Uh, I just want you to be babysat for a few hours. Uh, and. And I, I don't want to appear, appear like I'm preaching or anything like that, but uh, I've seen it all way too much. And I know you guys too, have too, uh, where parents don't really care about their kids' education. And those kids know it and they feel it and they suffer because of it. Their grades suffer, their education suffers. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm speaking for you guys a little bit, but I, I think we need to make sure as parents we get involved with our kids' education. It's important. It's crucial. You know, you're, you're exactly right. It's most important or, or it's most successful when a parent is involved in their student's education. The flip side is, is in public schools, we take every single student that comes to our doors. Um, they may be abused. They may be broken. They may come from broken homes. We don't know their situations. Um, we have many children that come to our schools, and that's their safest, happiest time of the day mm-hmm. is when they're at our schools. And, and, and that's our goal is to create a safe environment because if a child feels safe, then we can create a learning environment. But we have to provide the safety first. And, uh, you know, when we can do that, we can then help educate the child. And, and if we can have that parent involvement, that's the most successful um, that we see from the students. Absolutely agreed. Uh, great parents being involved with great kids is the recipe. You know, you get a great school with a great teacher and a great kid and great parents backing them. We're going to be successful. Does, does you teach, uh, of course, we just mentioned it a little while ago, you teach at the university, yeah. teach math. Parents, generally speaking, at the college level are taken out of the equation. It's, yeah, that's really, that would be really rare. Is that, it, does that make it harder, or is it because there's money involved that, that they tend to you know, maybe study more, especially if the kid's paying for it themselves? I, I think it's just part of the growing up process. At some point, at some point the kids got to do it for themselves, not for mom and dad. I, I joke with my classes occasionally. Hey, I can tell which one of you are paying for your own school and yeah. which one of you were mommy and daddy are paying for it. And so we did an experiment one day, and I went through a class of about 40 kids, and I got 39 out of 40 right. Wow. And the, and the last kid said that I missed, you know, I said, you're paying for your own school. And, and my reason was they were focused, they were dedicated, they were there every day. Yeah. I said, you're, you're paying for this. And they said, well, no, daddy's paying for it. But he's also paying for my car insurance, and if I don't do well, he won't do that anymore. <laughs> so I was half right, at least, on there that one also. There was motivation there, for sure. 
Un- understandable. Uh, is there a difference between the scholarship kids and the non-scholarship kids as far as study? When they come to your class, you don't know who's on scholarship and who isn't. Mm-hmm. So difficult to tell. It's just it's just such a joy to, to be with the ones that are motivated. And it's, it's a challenge that I embrace. To, let's be honest. Everybody doesn't love math. And uh, I, I personally embrace the challenge. You know, I openly yes. tell them, you know, I have four months to change your mind, you know, <laughs> to see if I can get you to love it or at least like it before you leave. Like I need to get my daughter in your class. So she doesn't love math either. Yeah, but, uh, bring her on. All right, all right, we'll do it. Uh, all right, we wanted to talk a, a minute uh, just about the budget. You guys had a budget meeting last night. Are, were there any surprises? Anything in the budget meeting that we need to be aware of that you know the average citizen, the parent needs to know? I think the number one thing that uh, the average citizen needs to know is that we are one of the more financially sound school districts in the state. We have a AAA bond rating, which essentially means that we are very financially sound. We're wise in the choices we make. Um, We have been recognized recently by the Utah Taxpayers Association for our method of construction, how it saves taxpayer monies. Um, They gave us a plaque for it, which is unheard of. You know, it it saves up to 25% of the cost of the building. Uh, In the last, I think, is it six? No, last year or 18 months, we refinanced all of our bonds and we refinanced them down so low, we're saving taxpayers millions of dollars in interest payments. And, and that's the part that I'm really proud of, being a numbers guy. Um, when the markets, when the biggest financial players, you know, the Wells Fargo's and the Chase Manhattan's, when the biggest players in the, in the country are bidding for your bonds mm-hmm. and they want to loan you money, and in fact, low, less than 1% at our, at our wow. last, because we're so well-managed, um, that just feels good. As a, as a school board member, you feel like we're doing something right. We're saving millions of dollars for the taxpayers. And it's, it's kind of nice to have the market say, you guys are doing a great job and we want your bonds. And we're willing to invest at, at really low rates because we know you're doing a really good job. We're, we're down the last couple of minutes. Uh, anything coming up? New schools opening this fall that are being uh, fin- finishing touches being put on this summer? We do. We have Desert Canyons Elementary out uh, south of the airport. Um, and that is, well, it should open with about 400 students. Okay. We're excited about that. They, we've received occupancy on that, haven't we, Craig? Uh, I think so. I believe on that building we have. And, and think about it, that's, that's as close to Arizona as you're going to get. You know, yeah. if, if a kid kicks the ball too hard, that ball will land in Arizona. <laughs> it's out of the state. You can't have it anymore. <laughs> you know, then we also have a vocational building up in Hilldale that um, we we should be ready for the opening of the next school year. That will have opportunities for welding, ceramics, computer technologies, um, cabinetry, um, what we're saying, oh, uh, and agricultural science, ag science. And and they should all know that we're building that that high school, that uh, vocational building, that the yeah. vocational high school right there on South River Road when it intersects with SR seven. Um, that will be a year from now. It's under construction. It's looking great. Uh, it's located there so that it can have access from all over the, all over the county. Uh, we think it's going to help a lot of students be just what they need. Too often we get to this cookie-cutter mode where everybody needs to get educated and go to college. Sometimes a kid needs a, a trade or something different. I have... You know, I have uh, my three sons. Two of them got college degrees, and one of them, post, you know, several postgraduate degrees. And I have one son. He said, I, I just... I can't do college, Dad. I, I I got to find something else to do. And he has a very successful career right now in the trucking industry. So, and and that's the goal behind the Career Tech High School bu- being built on River Road is mm-hmm. that. 
there are we need to fill pathways here in our community if we want to maintain the boom that our our economy is seeing well, it's absolutely true and i have i have a good friend and i you know i have a master's degree mm-hmm. and he went into a trade created his own business and phenomenally successful yeah. and i jokingly tell people my house would fit in his garage <laughs> so he's clearly doing something right and we need to provide those pathways yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the great thinkers of all time didn't have any kind of formal education. So, uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, it's Thank you been for a having pleasure. us. Is there anything we're missing? Is it, do we do, do we skip over something, or are we are we caught up now on Washington County Schools? I think we did a good job, Andy. Appreciate it. Okay, very good. Steve Dunham, a Washington County uh, School District Communications Director. Steve, thanks always for a pleasure up. to be here, Andy. You, Thank you. You were Jordan School District. Are you here to stay though? Now, are you? Uh, I am here to stay. I was here to stay uh, when. I came five years ago. It's five years on. I am a happy camper right now. I am here to stay. We're glad to have you. Craig, uh, the whole Seg Miller clan, I think, is proud of you right now. You did a good job today. Um, Thank you. Uh, Great to be with you. Appreciate it. How many brothers did you have, by the way? Uh, I'm the youngest of six kids, four brothers, two girls. You you know some of almost all those families. <laughs> a lot of Seg Millers in this town. So, uh, anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much today. Uh, by the way, Utah Jazz. Uh, Doing oh, jazz. All right, last night uh, got a win. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game, but I've I've read like 18 reports about them this morning. Hey, if they can miss 21 shots in a row and still pull out a win, <laughs> we did <incredible>. okay. <laughs> That's incredible. So the Jazz again, game two is tomorrow night. Uh, we gotta we gotta get a party together and go and watch a game there. <laughs> now that the Vivin is open to full, uh, full building uh, full of fans. So there you go. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. It is. Uh, 9.58 on KDX. We're getting close to the top of the hour. Again, I did want to see if I could give away a haircut or two. Give me a call right now. 673-5890 is the phone number. 673-5890. I've got a couple of and These aren't just haircuts. These are MVP treatments at Sports Clips. And what that means is you get the uh, steaming, uh, the hot towels. You get the uh, shampooing massage. Uh, it's the full the full treatment there at Sports Clips from Megan Tatum over at Sports Clips. Give me a call right now, 673-5890. I will take your call off the air. Again, thanks for being on the show today. Tomorrow we've got a mayor on. It is uh, Brandon Humphreys from Enterprise. He's going to be on the show and talk about how COVID-19 had actually very little effect on the town of Enterprise. Join me tomorrow, 9 a.m. We'll talk then.